You're listening to the Everyday Office Podcast, a weekly show with tips, tricks, and best practices for getting the most and the best out of yourself and your team. Here's your host, Neil Malik. Welcome to Everyday Office. This is the podcast about making the tedious parts of your job a little less tedious and the interesting parts of your job a little more interesting. Today, I'm joined by David Ringstrom. Hi, David. Hi, Neil. <laughs> uh, David's a CPA. He's an author. He's a nationally recognized instructor. He teaches dozens and dozens of webinars every year and has built up an Excel expertise and a curriculum over 25 years of consulting and being a CPA. So I think you can see exactly why he's on the show. I'm going to get straight into his brain in just a second here. <laughs> but really, it's uh, it's David's generosity that made me take notice of, uh, of him and why I asked him to be on the show. He's constantly writing articles. He's sharing his expertise on Twitter, just contributing to the dialogue around best practices, tools, tips and tricks, efficiency, and everything else within Excel. And of course, as a CPA, He's got loads of experience about that optimization of Excel. So I think every one of us can learn from, you know, the best practices and things like that. Today, uh, David and I thought that one of the most valuable things that he could bring to the table would be to talk about disaster recovery, but also disaster prevention. We were just talking about that right before the recording started, that once the horse is out of the barn, right, it's... (laughs) It's a tough situation to be in. Um, so we're going to talk about what we can do to solve for when things go horribly wrong and also um, how we can prevent things from going horribly wrong in the first place. So, David, let's start with that. Okay. Let's say somebody has been messing around with your spreadsheet. Um are there tools that we can use to go back and solve for that? And or what do we need to do to make sure that that sort of thing doesn't get that far along the path in the first place? The tools, if you're using the older versions of Excel, are fairly limited in the event that you have shared a workbook. And so in Office 365, they've kind of relegated sharing the old method of sharing, which we went to the review menu. But if you Mm -hmm. share the workbook the old way, there, Excel maintained an audit log of all the changes that were made. So oh. that's kind of gone away in favor of this cloud-based sharing using OneDrive and Office 365. So that's definitely one angle. Within Office 365, which is the subscription-based version of Excel, where it gets confusing is there's different flavors and different varieties of Office 365, but there's one version that's called Pro Plus, and that Pro Plus version has an inquire add-in. So now it's kind of maddening how they do this because they bury stuff. You have to know that it's there to even ask for it. But if we went, let's say, to our file menu, we went down to options, and then there's a within our Excel options, there's an add-ins section. If it's supported mm-hmm. in your version of Excel, once you go to add-ins there, you can click go, and inquire is going to be on the list there. Now, to actually get to it, we actually have to even go a, a bit more specific. So in, under options, under add-ins, we have to pull down that little choice there and choose the com add-ins. So the default choice is the okay. Excel add-ins. You've got to go even more geeky and choose com add-ins. <laughs> we check uh-huh. for inquire. If you have inquire, you can turn that on. And one of the cool things that it offers is a compare files feature 
which Microsoft Word has long had. With Word, you can compare two documents. Uh -huh. Those two versions. The Pro Plus Office 365 offers us that. Now, apart from that, there are third-party auditing tools out there. But realistically, my biggest defense is to make sure I've got different versions of, of my file. So periodically, mm. I'm working on a file. I will just I have a, ver a naming convention where I, it's the file, and then I come up with a version number, like 1.01. .01, and then if I'm going to do something major, 1.02, and give myself those fallback spots so that I can kind of go back and roll back and see where it was. Mm -hmm. Or depending on the spreadsheet, you know, password protecting the file, protecting the file. But it depends. There's no hard and fast rules in Excel because everybody's doing different things. Everyone's collaborating different ways. So the keeping as many copies, meaningful copies, so not just keeping copies, but actually having that numbered sequence has gone a long way for helping me make sure that I'm using the latest version and also clients because clients, you know, the players will change. They'll grab an old version of the file and say, this is broken. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Reaching the <quality. laughs> and, um, So having that numbering convention where everyone knows, okay, this is the latest, this is the gospel. That's mm -hmm. my biggest defense over the years. Uh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, I, I, you know, my my work is so heavily weighted towards training that when I get into consulting work, I don't think as much about that client interaction. And then you're absolutely right. You get that that immediate feedback. This thing is broken. Ah, okay. <laughs> what version do you have open? Okay, send me what you have, and then I'll compare it and everything else. So really just clean version names right there in the file name, things like that. Right. Right. That, and then or bigger organizations have like SharePoint where you can like check a file out and then that will have mm -hmm. that version management. Or if you are using Microsoft's OneDrive service, then it has versioning built in too. And in fact, with, with Office 365, if you choose to put your files on OneDrive and I'm having some reticence doing that, but I've been sitting today because I have all my files on Dropbox. What's really the difference if I have Dropbox having access to all my stuff versus Microsoft having? So I have this old school muscle memory, right. you know, bias I'm having to work through. But mm -hmm. with Office 365, if you are saving your files on OneDrive, you can mm -hmm. set autosave where it comes on and it truly saves every change you make. Now, to me, that's double-edged, though, because lots of times in Excel, I don't know where I'm headed. I want to open up a file. I want to head down a path and realize it went the wrong way, close the file, and start over. And if it's saving every change, then all of a sudden, you know, you got to kind of work your way back through the timestamps. So it, there's so much of solve one problem, create a new problem, you know. That, oh, 100%. Yeah, with the autosave thing, you know, I, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, uh, if you go up to the quick access toolbar up at the top of your screen and you have saved it in either uh, SharePoint and OneDrive, that autosave slider will be there in Office 365 and it'll be turned on by default. And, you know, in, in your scenario, every, like you said, every little change gets saved and you're not sure that that's, that's a good idea. In my situation, when I'm creating training materials, 
a lot of times I'll have run, random generators to output new information and things like that. And it constantly resaving the, the modifications or um, if I have it open during a webinar, it's saving all the changes that I'm making during the webinar. <laughs> I have to make sure right. yes. to flip that switch back off. So I'm like, no, no, I just want to close it and not save it and not have messed anything up. Well, and the, the, the other defense then that you can do is if you go to the file, so if it's in OneDrive, if you go to the file menu, you can choose save copy as, then mm. you pull it down and say, put it on your desktop so that you can have that throwaway copy. And during webinars, I make really sure that before I change a file, I save it on my desktop so that I can just sweep it out rather than exactly. my, my clean example that I start with. Uh, absolutely. So um, I think one of the biggest ones when we talk uh, disaster recovery or disaster prevention is just the the crash of Excel. I know that um, for some of my large uh, tax and accounting clients that having ridiculous data sets sent to you uh -huh. and trying to open those in Excel is constantly crashing it and things like that. Um, are there things that we can do either to come back from the crash and or what can we do to prevent those types of crashes in the first place? The biggest thing that I have figured out to prevent crashes is to eliminate the temp files from my computer periodically. Really? And those temp files hang out in Windows and an easy way to get to that. I'm just going to share my screen for a second because this mm -hmm. is a little bit geeky. So just so we can kind of see what those steps are. What we can do here is, let's say we click on Windows. If you just type the percent sign, type the word temp, and then type another percent sign, and then press enter, that's going mm -hmm. to put you into this temporary files folder. Now, Windows is supposed to do its own housekeeping. And what this area is, basically, it's a scratch area where these are all files that get created in the background while you're doing work, while you're printing or working on spreadsheets, whatever. Windows is supposed to clear this out, but it doesn't. It's sloppy about it. And I, through a lot of, you know, repeated crashes and getting frustrated, have realized that if I can't... <laughs> If I, in fact, I've gone to the point of setting up a batch file that just nukes this file when I log my computer or nukes this folder because there's nothing in here you need to keep. Wow. And you can't, huh. it, some of the files are in use, so you're not going to be able to get rid of everything. But if you just go into that file, mm -hmm. so in fact, just to back up, if we go to our start menu, if you're using Windows 7 still, which I just finally got my training computer off of Windows 7 <laughs> just under the desk. <laughs> But you know, finally let go. you're going to go to run, but Windows 10, you can just click on that start button. And when you click on the start button, you just like you're typing in thin air, type a percent sign, temp and a percent sign, press enter. And then we're just going to press control A. That highlights everything. Mm -hmm. Press delete. And, you know, right now it says 177 items selected. We're going to go through here. It's probably going to have a couple thousand by the time it's done because it can be misleading. Like there's not as much stuff there. So it says 295. Okay, now it's starting to kind of go up there. So certain files is not going to let you do it. So you just click do this for all items. Mm -hmm. say right. And just kind of let it go through. So again, because I have my computer wipe this out when I start, I don't have that many files. But my experience, when you get thousands of files in there, makes Excel, particularly the newer versions of Excel. The older versions weren't as hair trigger. 
the uh-huh. Office 365 has very much been just hair trigger crashing. And I've seen that because I would, I've got a pretty complex tool I use to build my presentations. And so I only recently moved that off of Excel 2010 because I was still using Excel 2010 for stability purposes. So now I'm finally migrating that tool to Office 365, but it, I could do things in Excel 2010, wouldn't blow it up. Same actions in Excel 2000 or Office 365 would blow it up if I had a bunch of files in the temp folder. New hmm. folder, and then the computer is much more stable. So Interesting. from a preventing standpoint, that's the biggest thing that I've found that's made a big difference. So the other thing that has made a dramatic difference for me from a prevention standpoint is if we just hop into Excel for just a moment here, and we can do this in any version of Excel. If we go to the file menu and we're going down to options and then in the save section, the choice there mm-hmm. says save auto recover information. It defaults to every 10 minutes. Well, here's the, the misnomer here. What it's what this is supposed to do is you would think every 10 minutes, Excel is going to create a backup. What well, doesn't do it every 10 minutes, right. it does it on kind of this random schedule. So I found if I change that to every two minutes, that it gives me backups more frequently because I can do a lot of work, you know, and I can do a lot of work in 10 minutes. And if that 10 minutes expands to 20, 20 minutes, <laughs> then it's exponential, the more work. And so what this does, this gives me two levels of backing up. One, if Excel completely blows up, when I come back into Excel, it's going to have a copy of the file. But more importantly to me is because let's say I'm being diligent, I'm saving my work, you know, I've got my computer stable. I can still go through, and if I delete a worksheet, I'm penalized in two ways. One, I can't undo the, the deletion, the sheet's just gone, but I also can't undo anything mm-hmm. I did prior to the deletion. So I lose my safety net. But by changing that back up there, if we go to the file menu on the info tab, where it says version history, you'll start seeing timestamps mm-hmm. show up there. You can click there on a file and bring up a copy of the file from where it was earlier in your work session. So that, ah. that's another way, that's, a, that's my favorite way of like, you just have that, oh man, I didn't mean to do that. You know, we get going too fast, mm-hmm. or, or went, went in the wrong file or just whatever. That lets you go back in time in the current work session. So these copies get thrown away when you close the file. But mm-hmm. if you, let's say you close the file accidentally, then under this manage workbook there, you can say recover unsaved workbooks. So if you had not saved the file, that's going mm-hmm. to put you in the unsaved workbooks folder, the un- unsaved files folder, and workbooks that you worked on over the last couple of days will be there. Now, wow, okay. that's by no means a permanent archive. That's a very, sure. Excel sweeps those out after two or three days. So, but if you worked on a file and particularly for juggling multiple files, you're kind of doing a scratch file and you start closing things and muscle memory, you, you're like, you know, no, no, no. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's where you can go. But for, uh-huh. for all of these, it's all predicated on Excel having created that backup. So that's why under file and options and save, we want to get mm-hmm. that. You could even set it to every one minute, but two minutes has been, a, you know, a, a good balance for me there. That means Excel sure. can create a backup every four or five minutes, as opposed to every mm-hmm. 20, 15 or 20 if I leave it to the default. And so going back to that version history that you were just talking about, 
really, I guess if you have, if you use a lot of macros, that's going to be your best bet, right? Because anytime you use macros, your undo capability is thrown away. Exactly. That's one of the, the that's the, 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 the sharp edge of macros. Macros <laughs> let us automate lots of things, but even if you run just a simple macro, then it disables, it, it clears out the undo stack. And the undo mm-hmm. stack is that list of things that we can undo. That's purposeful because when you run a macro in Excel, Excel has no idea how elaborate that macro is. Doesn't know mm-hmm. if you're doing one, just changing one cell or, you know, the most complex macro I ever had to run over the years. It was a macro that there was so much to do that it ran for like two hours um, <laughs> going through these. So there's no way that uh, code running for two hours that it can keep track of all the versions and undo it. So that's why oh, we use the ability to undo. And so, yes, that, that versioning is definitely a way to recover from, you know, you save without running the macro. But that's also where many times, depending on the nature of the macro, uh, in the macro itself, I'll build in a step where it saves the file before the macro goes. So that then if I have to, if the macro goes off track, I can close the file and I know that I've got that clean copy to, mm-hmm. to open macro. Absolutely. Yeah, I've really started to go down that road of macroizing so many of the little, you know, the little formatting things and stuff like that that I do all day. I think to myself, eh, I'll, I'll make a shortcut for that. And then what I'm trading off is throwing away all those undos every single time. Right. So you throw away the undos, but we, and we have to decide. So what I've what I think about a lot these days in Excel is what I term the death by a thousand cuts. All mm-hmm. little formatting things that yeah, in the in in isolation don't take very long. But if you're doing those same repetitive steps, you know, that you know, if you, they, you're frittering away your time. And so that's mm-hmm. what we have to think about, okay, what's the what's the greater value? Being able to undo or having it done consistently with a macro, and so you eliminate that human error. We don't necessarily mm-hmm. need the undo as much. Right. But it always depends on the nature, you know, again, no hard and fast. Oh, of course, yeah. So, <laughs> you mean you? <laughs> you mean you, as a trainer and consultant, say the words "it depends" it, all the time. It does. I am shocked <laughs> because people use Excel. You know, it's it's remarkable watching how other people use Excel. Mm-hmm. It really is, and that's why. You know, even though my wife mocks me for sitting around and making spreadsheets all day of like companies that don't even exist, just doing all sorts of different things, just sitting down and talking to another person who does Excel all day, every day for 10 minutes can result in so many different ideas buzzing around in my head. That's really. And I finally get that tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. One of the areas where I've really had tunnel vision as of late is the Power power query feature in Excel because Microsoft has done a horrible job of explaining it. And mm-hmm. I would go in and what I would find with Power Query is I would try to do things that I can do with a SQL database and hit a roadblock and then just get frustrated and throw it away. Just like, oh, I'll look at that later. Mm-hmm. But recently I was watching and I will give a shout out to Mr. Excel because he helped me get my, my thinking, change my thinking, you know, spending uh-huh. somebody else. And he did this little simple thing and I had that aha now I get it. Now I see. And so Power Query is going to greatly inform all my, pres- you know, a lot of my presentations as we go forward. Oh, yeah. Because, in fact, the beauty of Power Query, what they're not having explained, it's designed to take the macros out of the equation to let you automate these data transformations where 
in effect, Power Query is almost like a macro recorder where you go through and do the transformation, and then it just automatically plays the transformation back. You have to yep. solve from your accounting software when you're having to split up columns and delete and filter and all that. Historically, we would create a macro to do that. With Power Query, you can go through and do all those steps, and then you just open your spreadsheet, and Power Query on its own does the transformation. And you don't, there's nothing for you to undo or having to, to, to lose the work or even code to write. So exactly. It's, it's, it's really a remarkable tool. And it's an opportunity for us trainers that Microsoft has done a horrible job of explaining <laughs> how it works. I love that. So um, if you'll permit me, I, I do want to actually take a second and do a do a promo for Power Query. Sure. Power Query, the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, if you are listening to us right now and wondering what this Power Query thing is and whether it's actually as good as David's talking about, it is so amazing. So first of all, uh, if you have Excel 2010 or 13, you have to go get an add-in for Power Query. And if you have 2016, 19, and Office 365, Power Query comes on the data tab. So if you look at the data tab in Excel, uh, Power Query is that get and transform data area. And um, one of the things that it does, like you said, it it allows us to do all of that data restructuring that we would normally use macros for and do it as um, something that's written out uh, in the steps. And what's nice about that to me is if you had a macro, especially like a macro that a coworker had built at one point in time that solved some problem, the odds are good. People are pushing that button and just hoping that magic happens every time because the macro is this black box and they wouldn't know how to tweak it if the data changed even a tiny little bit. But Power Query allows us to go back to every step of the process and really clearly and easily make modifications to how it works. And I see where the data looks like at that, at those points. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's almost like, uh, you know, going through uh, step by step through the macro, but even just actually being able to analyze how the data happens and, and actually see that if something breaks, it's, there's a yellow bar and it says, we tried to do this and it failed because of this. So just go back and tweak this and it'll work again. It's amazing. And it also, which, which macros don't do, <laughs> you know, if you change something in your macro that affects something else in the macro, you're on your own. You, you, you don't learn that when you run the macro. Power query, if you yeah. do something that's going to affect something else, it'll say, hey, you did this, which is going to have this other effect. And so you can just close out of your power query without saving the changes and, and you know, then go in clean and make a new stab at it. So yeah. you're talking about a disaster recovery tool, very much a disaster recovery tool. And the other thing that I like about Power Query, because many times an issue that we have is folks like to go in and tweak the data. They like to overwrite cells or whatever. Well, when you bring in data by way of Power Query, and another way Microsoft didn't do themselves any favors is they called it get and transform. Because when they took it from Power Query to get and transform, then, I, then they really lost. I mean, I've been using spreadsheets for 30 years. And I'm like, I, I, I don't need that. I have all this knowledge. But no, I'm taking Power Query. I'm, I'm, I'm converted. But my point is that when the data is brought into the spreadsheet, you're bringing in a picture of the data. If you go in and type over the data, you can right click on it and refresh it and restore its pristine again. 
So another huge disaster recovery, because if you're in an environment where folks go in, you know, for the, for that month in, they want to move, change these numbers, and then they compromise your, your financial results, you can just right-click and refresh the data, and the changes, they may just vanish. So it's a yeah. huge safety net that we don't normally have in Excel. Normally, we have to tiptoe around and make sure if I change this, am I going to break that? Power Query, mm -hmm. the, data, the data brought in by Power Query has that built-in safety net. It's really nice. I think what it does is really push us down that path of you could treat Excel kind of like your database, right? You can have a master spreadsheet somewhere and have a bunch of different files that all query the, the master spreadsheet. You never have to worry about messing up the master spreadsheet because everybody's getting what they need out of it, by not even by opening it up. And what you're also not doing is that old school method of creating workbook links. That's another mm. huge disaster risk in Excel where folks create formulas that link back to the master spreadsheet. And that's a feature I've observed in Excel works until it doesn't. If I'm pulling a few cells, no big deal. But I remember at one point in my career, there was someone that they had thousands of cells that they were trying to pull over from this other spreadsheet. And the workbook links just arbitrarily wouldn't update. So then their numbers didn't tie. And how do you track that down? And also <laughs> workbook links, they're very fragile because you, if you move the file and granted with Power Query, if you move the original file, then that can break your query, but you don't have all those individual workbook links. You're fixing, you're fixing it one place. You're changing that source one place and you're not do, you're relying on Excel's calculation methods because another thing that happens with big workbooks or bringing in lots of data, Excel will arbitrarily decide to put itself in manual calculation mode. When we go back to the 80s with, you know, when computers were so slow, you had to put it in manual calculation mode so you didn't lose your brain waiting on it to recalculate. Well, when Excel just decides I'm going to quit calculating and you don't realize it and your numbers aren't changing because it just arbitrarily did that, you know, because you had so many workbook links. So Power Query is another way to, you know, harden your spreadsheet so that you, you eliminate that risk of Excel deciding to just, you know, quit calculating. Mm -hmm. yes. Calculating, we just go back to the formulas menu, and then there's a calculation options but options button. Should generally be set to automatic these days. I it's been years and years since I've had a spreadsheet where I've needed to purposefully go and put it in manual to, to be mm -hmm. taking too long to calculate. But Excel will arbitrarily put itself in that mode, and you can tell that the word calculate is going to appear in the bottom left hand corner of your screen, down next to where it normally says ready. There, so if you see calculate there. Most likely it's in manual calculation mode. Mm -hmm. Likely you have a circular reference somewhere, but that's a whole separate, that's a whole separate. <laughs> right. It's really um, it, for, you know, for, for simple math and things like that, but I've really started to go down the path of using uh, Power Query in lieu of VLOOKUP for yeah. so many things yeah. because, you know, I, and I have done the tests now. I have this video where I do 2 million VLOOKUPs side by side with the equivalent of doing the same thing in Power Query. Uh -huh. And the, the, the time that it takes to recalculate 2 million VLOOKUPs compared to the Power Query is ludicrous. I mean, it's right. just... Well, you also can't fit two. I mean, depends. You have a million rows, so yeah, you have two million or something. There's that too. <laughs> exactly right. Yes, and that's where um, earlier today I had a phone call with somebody, and they were saying, "Oh, well, we need to be able to get you know just the things that we need out of this. So, will we need to go back and delete what we don't need and things like that?" And I said. 
let me tell you the joy of Power Query. <laughs> All you have to do in Power Query, filter by the date, and you're good to go. Now you just have those records that are relevant to you. Um, in the spreadsheet, the, the rest of the data is elsewhere. And so you're not shooting yourself in the foot by going through and deleting stuff. And then you get mm -hmm. delete stuff out to the side because you didn't realize somebody put something out to the side where they shouldn't have. And so, yes, that ability to filter. Once you have one or two instances where Power Query does what it does, then you have that aha moment. But mm -hmm. should be prepared for a little bit of trial and error and just a little bit of you know, watching videos and reading articles on exactly how to, to, to make it work. But once you have that aha, then you're off to the races. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> and yet again, another conversation I'm having has turned towards Power Query. <laughs> I'm astonished. <laughs> awesome. Um, if we zoom out for a sec or, or rewind a little bit, uh, do you have anything else that you use sort of beforehand to set yourself up for success? Do you um, do you do, do a lot of data validation and things like that in your workbooks or how do you like to set up for, for success? One of the best things that I've done that I do in Excel on workbooks that are really crucial is in the save as dialog box, there's a tools button next to save. And so I click on tools and I click on general options in mm -hmm. that general options dialog box. There's a checkbox I can click that says always create backup. And then, I oh, okay. okay. And what that does for me is that creates an, whenever I save the file normally, it takes the previous version of the file and renames it and calls it backup of and puts it in the same folder. And hmm. where that really saved me, it's been a couple of years now, but I've got a cash flow spreadsheet that I've used to project my cash flow for my business. I've used that spreadsheet for 20 years. And one day on a, one week on a Friday, I used the file. I came back the following Monday and Excel says the workbook is corrupted. And normally you would just lose your brain. But because I had clicked yeah. the checkbox, then I just went and opened up the backup and only lost a few minutes of work as opposed to losing the entire file. So that's another one of my, for, for these really crucial workbooks, just click mm -hmm. that checkbox. So that one we have to turn on workbook by workbook. Okay. What we saw earlier was the ability to just kind of set and forget, just tell Excel in general, always create a backup every couple minutes, but this automatic backup now, and it also cuts both ways because if you're OCD and you're saving your file every minute, then that fallback position is only a minute old. But let's mm. give you, you know, and so we find that right balance on how long we need, how often we need to save. But it's a, it's one of my favorite safety nets in Excel because you just never know when you're going to need it. Beautiful. Now, folks do ask me, can I have the backups be put someplace else? And unfortunately, you can't. The backups are in the same folder. Mm, okay. And the other quirky thing, because this is Microsoft, it creates a, the file has the .xlk extension. That okay. Go to open the XLK file. It's going to tell you that the file extension's wrong and ask you, "Do you really want to open this file?" And <laughs> don't pay attention to that. Just open the file. <laughs> think that they would have, because Microsoft dubbed it an XLK file. You would think that they would also dub it that it's okay to open an XLK file, but it doesn't. <laughs> so just bypass that. Sky's yeah. warning. Just open the file, and you'll have your you'll be you'll be where you were the last time you saved it. Nice. Well, that's fantastic. It, all these things, you know, I, I now that I've been talking to you for 20, 25 minutes, I feel like I've just been flying by the seat of my pants the whole time and just like, I'm just going, with, uh, rubbing up against disaster at every turn. <laughs> this is awesome. 
awesome. Uh, all right. I am going to have to write all of this out. And uh, every one of these things will be in the show notes, beyond the shadow of a doubt. Okay, fantastic. Um, gosh, uh, this is amazing stuff. Um, those are those were the major ideas that I had in terms of disaster recovery. Am I missing anything in, in your world as far as um, disaster recovery that, that I haven't touched on yet? I think that's the, the the other thing that we didn't talk about. So for those big files, those mm-hmm. ones that take a long time to open Excel, they, because the bigger the file, the more fragile it can get. There's a, the default format for Excel ha, is a, the .xlsx file. Yes. And then if we have macros in the file, we have to save it as a .xlsm file, the M signifying that there's potentially macros in it. The third format is the Excel binary workbook has a .xls B format. And what the, so the odd thing about Excel workbooks is that we see the workbook on the screen. In reality, behind the scenes, it's all letters and numbers. It's characters that you can read because an Excel, mm-hmm. a modern Excel file uses a format that's called XML, which is a cousin of HTML, which is what drives web pages. So anytime you're saving something in a text format, then there's an exposure there. The binary yeah. workbook saves the file in a binary format, which is ones and zeros, which is referred to as machine code that only the computer can make sense of. Mm-hmm. Those binary files. So one real life example, I ran a macro for a client to transform their data, ended up with a file that was 37.5 megabytes. Too big to email. Well, I mean, you know, there's ways to yeah. email it, but you can <laughs> just attach it. Just simply go to Excel, say file, save as, change that save as type pull down that save as type dialog the list, change it to a binary workbook, knocked it down to just under 10 meg. So not wow. only does the footprint change, but also mm-hmm. you get it out of that more fragile because what happens where folks kind of shoot themselves in the foot in particular is when they go to format a column, they'll click on column A and they'll change the font for a million rows. They, oh, yeah. they think that's a shortcut. Well, it, you're bulking up the file the more formatting that you get, the more combinations of that. You know, it used to be that there was only like 4,000 combinations of formatting that you could use those up pretty quick in the team environment. And then Excel would say, you can't change the formatting anymore. And then- (laughs) Too many styles, yep. They've upped that to like 64,000, but still we wanna be careful. We don't wanna just our cavalierly format the entire row or format the entire column. You really wanna focus just on the data, just apply the formatting just to the data. Mm-hmm. That, and it's because not every file is suitable for the binary format and you're going to, you don't want to save all your files for the binary format. So from a disaster recovery standpoint, just focus, just format the data. Don't format the entire workbook, you know? Yeah. My, my shortcut for, I mean, I, I say this in basically every Excel class I ever teach mm-hmm. control shift and the arrow keys, yes. right? So if you have contiguous data, right. like you're saying, if you, if you click on, the C up at the top of the column, you are now selected on a million plus rows of the C column. And if you filled out 35 rows of the C column, you have just (laughs) done 1 million or 999,000, whatever. Um, So you click on the top of the column, control shift down arrow that selects only the data that you have there and you can do your formatting. Perfect. You can also just do control A if you want the whole section there. And that'll exactly. get the whole, that contiguous block of cells. Yep. Perfect. That's amazing stuff. Um, 
Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Uh, do you have a Do you have a, a parting shot, a, a last closing tip or trick for us? Probably just to if you if it's not already part of your muscle memory, Control S, where you just mm-hmm. hit Control S, or if you like using the mouse, just go up to the corner and click that Save button. The more often you save, the the more that you're going to minimize that exposure there. It's I can't, you know, the only silver lining to losing a spreadsheet is that the second time you build it so much faster because you know, <laughs> you know what the path is. That is indeed cold comfort. And I've just had that happen way too many times over the years. And so just build, you know, use that muscle memory to your advantage. Oh, you just periodically hit control S and that will save you a lot of pain. Beautiful. Well, um, everybody, you have just seen the the amazing amount of uh, information and experience that David's got in Excel. Uh, David's calendar is online at davidringstrom.com. This will be in the show notes. If you'd like to talk to him about customized Excel training, uh, cons- uh, consultation, any kind of organization could absolutely benefit from this man's expertise. Um, if you're an accounting educator, uh, go to studentsexcel.com. Uh, and you're able to customize classes for individual clients, right? Actually, students Excel is for accounting students. Nice. Creating All right. Materials for accounting for accounting professors to be able to assign in class because a lot of professors don't have the time or the ability to teach Excel. So video training aimed at students, mm-hmm. and I do the grading. So very hands off for the instructors. Yeah, I mean. Not to not to throw the industry under a bus or anything, but the first time I ever taught an accounting uh, a group of accountants about Excel, I was like, "Of course, you all know about this and this and this and this," yeah. and everybody was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Oh, you should have known about this for a long time, guys." Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, as as much time as accountants spend in Excel, that's a core core thing they have to have. Beautiful. Well, again, all of David's information will be in the show notes. Please let us know at help at nactraining.com. If you have any questions, we'll be doing Q and A at the end of these um, podcasts. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, everybody. Everyday Office is a podcast by Knack Training, a training and consulting company specializing in Microsoft and Adobe software as well as presentation design and delivery, data visualization, and collaboration. Show notes and additional resources for this and all our shows can be found at nactraining.com slash podcast.